Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a message from August 18th featuring one of our own members from the church, Nick Diliberto. Nick Diliberto is going to be speaking in this podcast on the importance of uh, a community in raising children to love Jesus. This is something Nick is very passionate about, uh, and what he spends much of his time uh, in creating curriculum to reach kids around the country. So, let's head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. Uh, welcome with me, Nick Diliberto. Well, Crispin really built me up, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to live up to that introduction. Better be good. (laughs) Well, as Crispin mentioned, my name is Nick, and my wife, who hates to be the center of attention, uh, her name is Jenna, and we have three kids, Ethan, who's 11, Joey, who's 9, and Emma, who is 7, and I actually remembered all of their ages. It's a very difficult process the older you get, like me. But anyway... Uh, we love being a parent. We love being parents. And, you know, when I think of being a parent, I often think of a story of when Joey was born. Now, Joey's the middle child, so he's, you know, obviously ignored a lot, unfortunately. And he came out of Jenna screaming, okay? And after the birth of Joey, which was, you know, like, I had a different experience than my wife, and I don't know why I was tired. She was, like, much more tired than me, but for some reason I was tired, too. And she, you know, they they transfer you from this room that is the delivery room to this other kind of, like, holding area where you can just kind of relax and enjoy your new baby. So Jenna is pretty much laid out on the bed, and she's like, ah. She, She didn't actually say anything, but, like, the words in her face were saying, I'm so glad that's done. (laughs) And then she's in this half, like, you know, dazed, half sleep kind of thing. And then all of a sudden she gets up and she goes, Nick, you have to change the baby's diaper. And she referred to Joey as the baby. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know how she knew that because, like, intuitively she just knew that it was time to do. So I walk over to Joey, who is a cute little boy. He's actually on his back at this moment, and his legs are up. He's like, ga-ga, goo-goo, And I'm looking down. I'm like, man, we did it. There you go. Awesome. And every time I say we did it, my, my wife reminds me that it was actually her, not me. So, you know, Jenna did it. And I I go to open up the diaper. And as soon as I open up the diaper, a stream of urine is coming at me really, really fast. But it's like it's in slow motion from the Matrix. And I'm like, no! And I kind of like move out of the way. But like it comes and it gets all over me. And I had his legs held up like this. And I drop him because I got peed on. And I'm like, ah, the baby peed on me. The baby peed on me. So gross. And then Jenna's like, you drop the baby. Get the baby now. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, Joey, are you okay? And Joey's like, like still going like this all over and there's like key going everywhere I'm like I don't know what to do so I get like something and I cover him up and I look at him dead in the eye he looks up at me and I swear I heard him do this <laughs> I was like man not off to a good start <laughs> but the good thing is is that him and I are actually you know really close now and we survived that initial you know exchange that we had <laughs> And when it comes to raising kids, raising children is tough. 
It's not an easy job. In fact, you know, when they're really young, they pee on you. And they poop on you. And, you know, a really funny thing, as a parent, like, first time you change diaper, you're like, ew, gross. You know, you get all that stuff over your hand, you just wipe it off. But after, like, you do that for a long time, like, you get stuff in your hand, it's like gravy. You just wipe it off, no big deal. I don't know. But it's still kind of gross. Like, I think back to it now, and I'm like, oh, that's, ew, gross, please no. And the thing is, with kids, they yell at you, you know, they demand so much of your time and your energy, and you invest so much of yourself into your kids, and most of the time, you really don't feel that they appreciate what you do for them. They're a source of a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. Now, I know there's kids in this room, so there actually is a flip side to parenting. The truth is that although it's tough, it's the most rewarding thing that we can do because we invest ourselves in our offspring, in another human being. And the impact that we make as parents to young people is an impact that doesn't just stop with them, but it carries on for generations to come. So it is an awesome thing being a parent, but the truth is being a parent is a very difficult thing. It's not easy. And when you think of your role as a parent as not only taking care of all of their needs and, you know, getting them to soccer, getting them to baseball, changing their diapers, just doing all of the physical stuff, like, like brush your teeth. Why do, kids, why do kids not like to brush their teeth? It's so funny because, like, time to brush your teeth. No. Time to brush your teeth. No. Time to brush your teeth. No. What, they, don't, they, don't like to take, they don't like to brush their teeth or bathe, which is very unusual. Good thing adults like to do that. But... That was funny. Was that not funny? <laughs> Just laugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Makes me feel better when you laugh. But when it comes to, to doing that, like one of our roles is to raise children who love Jesus. And when you're busy and you're just busy with the physical demands of your job and all of your responsibilities as a parent, that one thing can be a very overwhelming thing to even just think about. And the truth is, that God didn't design us to do that alone. When it comes to raising children who love Jesus, it's not something that we as parents are all alone in. In fact, God wants us to do that. He created us to do that in the context of community so that there's other people that are involved in this process. And raising kids who love Jesus is best done in the context of community. There's an often quoted African saying that it takes a village to raise a child. But that same saying, there's a second part that's less, less quoted. And it says this, it takes a village to raise a child and a community to keep the parents sane. <laughs> Which is so true. So God designed us for community living. And it's inherent in our DNA as human beings for community living. And that is really evident in the beginning of time, before modern civilization, where you had tribal communities that their actual survival as a species, or their survival was to do life together in a close community. In New Testament times, in Jesus' day, they actually, you know, extended families lived together in really big houses that they built on. So it was, can you imagine living with, like, all of your extended family? That would be chaos, right? But they did it, <laughs> and it was a beautiful thing. 
And not only that, but you look at today's time. There's actually been a lot of research done on the topic of happiness. And when it comes to happiness, there's one place in the world that is one of the few places in the world that consistently has the happiest people in the world. And that place is Denmark. And they've done a lot of research over the years of why that, that the people in Denmark are so happy. What contributes to their happiness? There's a lot of contributing factors, but one of them is that a very popular thing is for people to live in co-housing communities where either one fa or multiple families will live in one big structure similar to like New Testament times, or there'll be these little houses all on one property and everybody living together, all these multiple families share life together. What they actually do is they'll have a big kitchen and they'll have like 50 or 60 people, multiple families coming, and once a week, they'll have one family that does everything for the meal. They'll prepare the meal, they'll cook the meal, they'll clean up, and it's just that family's job. The rest of the family just gets to sit back and enjoy that and get to enjoy each other's company. So like just once a week, they have to worry about food. Can you imagine like applying that to laundry and to everything? So like it's just, yeah, he's got six or seven kids. He's like, yeah, brother. <laughs> yes. But it's a beautiful thing because people are forced to live in community and share the responsibilities of doing life together. Now, I'm not necessarily advocating co-housing communities for like Covington. Hey, let's do that. But what I am saying is that's a beautiful picture of community. It's a beautiful picture of doing life together. And when it comes to pointing our kids to Jesus and raising children who love Jesus, it requires us to share that as a community. It's a team effort. And there's certain people that are a part of this community, and we each have our role to play. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Because the community, first of all, consists of the church. And in our case, if you call this place your home, the North Shore Vineyard. Every time I say North Shore, I whistle on the S. So I don't know why that happens, but it just does. As you can tell, I have ADD, so I'm kind of like all over the place. But the North Shore, okay, I said it right, Vineyard, if this is your home, if this is your place, then all of us, look, look around. Look to the person to the left to you, or the left of you, and to the right. Yeah, it's all of our jobs to do this, whether you have kids or not. And I think of, when I think of this idea of community, I think of Jody, Jody Kingston. And she was a kid who was not raised in a Christian home. Her parents weren't Christians, never went to church. But a neighbor friend of hers brought her to church one time. And she loved it so much. So she came back the next week. And then she came back the next week. And the next week. And she started to connect with this one lady who was there. And that one lady, what she did is just love on her, just, just showed her the love of Jesus by the way that she looked at her, the way that she interacted with her. And then it came one time to share what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. And Jody made a decision as a young person, as a six, seven, eight-year-old, to follow Jesus. And this inward transformation begun to happen. And then over a few months, her parents transitioned and kind of went and left that community so she was no longer surrounded by those people. And then she went off and she made a lot of bad decisions. She messed up. I mean, don't we all make deci bad decisions? But then as a late teen or early 20s person, 
she came back to God. She met God again, and she began to really just like dive into this relationship with Jesus. And when she did that, she got to the point where God healed her for a lot of stuff, and God began to heal her wounds. But then it came to the point where she's like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? How can I serve you? And it was apparent, like, she remembered that teacher years ago who shared with her what it meant to love Jesus. And it was through that influence that she decided to help out with the kids. And that eventually turned into uh, basically a, a position where she was paid. And now she's still in Arizona. She's at a vineyard there. The church has over a thousand kids, and she, for the last 20 years, has been the children's pastor there. And she's invested in the lives of hundreds, maybe even thousands of kids, and hundreds of volunteers over the years. So her, her impact was significant at an early age, and it changed the course of her life. So yes, as a church community, we can make a difference in the lives of kids. In Matthew 19, 13 to 15, I want you to imagine, before we really dig into this, imagine Crispin up here on a Sunday, and he's talking about brisket, or he's talking about uh, something, you know, uh, how God relates to barbecue or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whenever I think of Crispin, I think of him barbecuing. I don't know why. <laughs> but so he's doing that, and then there's these kids in the background. They're kind of like making some noise. You know, they're like flicking their boogers. They're like just being kids, okay? And, and, and then like, you know, Mike, wherever Mike is, he, he comes in. He's kind of like the bouncer, right, of church. And he comes in, and he's like, kids, look, you guys stay back there. And then Christmas is like, no, come on, come on, come on over here. Talk to me about barbecue and Jesus. <laughs> All right? <laughs> That's kind of what happens here. In today's time, and, and basically, Jesus is teaching, and there's these kids that are kind of messing things up, and this is what it says. Then the people brought their little children to Jesus so he could put his hands on them and pray for them. His followers told them to stop. Stop. No, no kids. Jesus is too cool. Sorry. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to people who are like these children. And after Jesus put his hands on the children, he left there. In that passage, it's a beautiful picture of the fact that Jesus values kids. He values them so much that he stopped what he was doing, laid his hands on them, and just affirmed them. And that is a beautiful picture. Because really, what our, our number one goal with the children's ministry here at the North Shore Vineyard, our goal is to just show kids God's love, just to be an example of what it means to love Jesus so that when kids come back there and they are here in big church, that they feel something special. They feel something unique, and that uniqueness is God's love. They feel accepted as is. They feel loved. They feel valued. They feel respected and they feel appreciated just for being here. That's our number one goal. And really, like, how do we go about doing that? If the church, if you're the church and we're the church, how do we go about helping to be a part of that? Well, we can really do that in two ways. We can demonstrate God's love to kids in big ways and in small ways. Big ways in small ways. But the small ways are really powerful. Let me first talk about the big, way, the big ways. The big ways 
are volunteering. Now, trust me, I'm not here to like recruit you to work with kids, but I just want you to know that if you have a desire to, we would love to talk to you about that. And if you're already back there, then you're making a huge difference in the lives, in the lives of kids. And over the years, I've worked with a lot of kids in a lot of different age groups. And I'm fortunate enough to have done that for so long where I can actually interact with them as adults. And some of these kids are in their late teens, early 20s, uh, some even getting married and like in their mid-twenties. And I think of Jordan. I think of Jordan who Facebooked me. I was his leader when he was in fifth and sixth grade. And he Facebooked me not too long ago. And he said, Mr. Nick, by the way, you know you're getting old when a 25-year-old calls you Mr. Nick, okay? So losing my hair, it just kind of happens, right? But he said, Mr. Nick, you made, like there's few people in the world who have made the kind of impact that you have in my life. And one of them is my parents, but besides them, it's you. Thank you for investing your life in me. And then I think of Nick, who pretty much in fifth, sixth grade, and then even in junior high, I was his junior high leader, he was indifferent towards God. But I felt compelled to just do what I could to build a relationship with him. And I did, and I invested in him as best as I could, doing small things throughout time. And then I found out that when he went to high school, because we kind of disconnected, uh, you know, circumstances put us in that situation. When he went to high school, he just, he was on LSD, he was doing drugs, and he just went through a rough time in his life. But then God showed up. God showed up and changed his life. So, like, last summer, he, he like, just changed things, and he went uh, to, like, he did, like, a big year, year-long missions trip, and he interned at a church, and he did just amazing things, and he sent me a message, too, saying, man, I never really appreciated what you did, but what you did made a huge difference, and I can tell you story after story of that happening, so when you choose to volunteer, even if you're holding a baby and just smiling at them, maybe just singing a song, there's this exchange of love that that happens, and they feel it deep in their hearts. You can make a difference by volunteering and being a part of other kids' lives. You can also help out in small ways, okay? And this is probably going to be the rest of us that are in this room that will never volunteer. It's so easy when you're interacting here at church and in the parking lot and whenever we do, like, special events like a chili cook-off or whatever— if you don't have kids, then you're not as connected to other kids, and it's so easy just to ignore them. And you don't do it intentionally, but it's just, it's just like you're, you're just focused on adults. Like kids, you just kind of tolerate them. They flick your booger, their boogers on you, and you're like, ew, slimy kid, no, please. But I encourage you guys to, like, give them a high five. Say, hey, how you doing, man? Give them a high five. Total stranger, never met him before, give me a high five. They're like, oh, that's cool. And the more that all of us just value them, appreciate them, give them high fives, give them words of affirmation, you know, smile at them rather than, like, do that, because uh, we do that sometimes. I do that to my kids sometimes. I growl at them. That's not a good thing. But just acknowledge them. Pay attention to them. When you see kids, just say, just think to yourself, what can I do just to let them know that they are valued as human beings? And pay attention to them. Because when you do that, they're going to feel it. Because when they grow up, and the kids, the new kids that aren't here yet, and the kids that will be here over the years, when they grow up through this church, we want them to look back and say, I felt love 
from those people. I didn't feel judgment. I didn't feel religion. I felt love. I felt love. And that's up to all of us collectively as a church to do that. So we have the church as a community, and we also have extended family. Now, I understand sometimes extended family, like maybe if you have kids and you have your parents, they annoy you, and like they might do things differently than you do in the parenting realm, but it's, uh, it's really easy to just forget that extended family plays an important role. And the truth is that they play a huge role in helping you to raise kids who love Jesus. And I think of Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas, who in the New Testament, they were actually in prison for sharing the message of Jesus. And then the prison guard, as they were leaving, like they were just like miraculously released. It's a really cool story. You can read it in Acts chapter 16. And then the jailer like wanted to be saved. So he went to them and said, hey, what do I need to do to surrender my life to Jesus? And then Acts 16, verse 31, it says this. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the, jail, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately him and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God he and his whole household. Time and time again, when you read these stories of one of the persons in a household surrendering their life to Jesus, it's not just one person that's changed, it's the whole household that changed. So there's this just theme throughout the New Testament of this household, of this whole idea of extended family living together and taking an interest in other kids, their nieces and their nephews and their grandchildren, taking an interest and helping them to raise kids who love God. And I think of my own story, of what that looks like in my own life. Because as Crispin mentioned, you know, we were born, I was born and raised here in Metairie. My wife is from California. And all I've known is Metairie and Kenner and New Orleans. This is like, you know, I went to Brother Martin High School, LSU. I kind of did the, the standard thing that everybody does around here. But we just felt like it was time to move, and we moved to San Diego. And when we moved to San Diego, it was great. I mean, it was a culture shock for me. I mean, <laughs> in fact, I remember when we showed up to the first day of school for my kindergartner, okay? This is when Joey was in kindergarten. And we showed up, and all the parents are kind of like waiting outside. And at least like 60% of the parents are like covered in tattoos. You know, and these are like, like just awesome people. And I was like, okay, this is a culture change. And, and look, I don't have anything against tattoos. I'm thinking about getting some, so, you know, I'm not saying that's bad or anything. Um, but it was just like a different thing than what you see in Metairie and Kenner. And, and then I noticed that f about five or six of my cl the classmates of Joey all had mohawks. Mohawks, the kindergartners. I was like, man, I'm not in Metairie anymore for sure. <laughs> but an interesting thing happened. We lived near a place called OB. Our kids went to school four blocks from the beach. And if you can just imagine kind of like going back to the 60s and 70s and a little hippie community that is all about peace, love, and happiness. I mean, literally, like, peace, love, happiness, everybody just get along, and everybody loves each other. Uh, like, 
99% of them weren't Christians, but it was a beautiful picture of community. And we loved it there. We lived close to three or four of the best beaches, and we would go out there. I would tr attempt to surf, but, like, my family would laugh at me because I would easily fall, like, I'd get up on the surfboard, I'm like, woohoo, boom, and fall down. And, you know, my whole family would laugh at me, and so would the other cool surfers that were there. But we, there were skate parks for the kids, you know, we lived just a few minutes from SeaWorld. It was like as close as you can get to heaven on earth. But the one thing that was missing was family. And a big part of us missed our family. So after living there for three years, one of the driving forces of us coming back was to be close to family because we just felt that our kids needed to be around extended family. And and then I think of now of how our kids are connected to, for instance, my mom, who they spent the night over on Friday night, and Jenna and I went on a date. And she shares Jesus with the kids in very simple ways, and she can be a part of that process. I think of Nancy, who's a really close family friend of ours, who spends a lot of time with our kids, and she pours out God's love to them and teaches them about God and just does it in very natural and normal ways. And how awesome it is that my kids can be a part of that. And the cool thing is, is even if extended family is not in the picture, they still play a really big role in raising your kids. I mean, like for instance, I think of, of me when I was a kid. My dad would wake me up at like four in the morning, like literally four in the morning is time to go fishing. Let's go. And usually kids ex are excited about fishing, but I hated fishing. I'd wake up four in the morning. I'm like, I want to go back to bed. I want donuts. This stinks. And he like dragged me out of fishing time with my only son. Let's go. I'm like, yeah, all right. Okay. I'd get into it. And about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, you know, 11 in the morning, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, I'd be like, I'm done, and I'd, like, find a spot on the boat to try to sleep, but it was, like, so hot, and the mosquitoes were like this, so for, like, the next six or seven hours, like, I don't like this, so he never got to bond with his son when it came to fishing, but here's the thing, cool thing is, my boys, Joey and Ethan, they love fishing, which is great, because I can stay at home and enjoy the air condition, and, you know, they can go fishing together, and, like, they're, the kids get to have that need met because they love it, and then my dad finally gets kids who like to fish, and it works out good. <laughs> it just does. Extended family is so important. It is so important, and a lot of times us parents, myself included, sometimes I push them away. I'm like, no, you don't do things like I do. Get away. But gosh, their role is so important. So here's the deal. If you're a parent and you have extended family, embrace them. Embrace them. Embrace them because they bring so much to the table. And if you have kids in your extended family, whether it's grandchildren or nieces or nephews, whatever it is, embrace them. Embrace them. You are a part of who they're going to be as a human being, and you're a part of their faith journey. So believe that truth. Embrace that truth. And then celebrate that truth. And the last one, the last group of people is parents. And when it comes to parents, like I mentioned before, it is tough. And to make it even tougher, there's statistic after statistic that 
proves parents above all other influences in the world have the most impact on young people, okay? They, over peers, over movies, over TV shows, music, popular culture, I mean, as parents, we have the most influence on them. And, and as I reflect on that truth, I think of, well, I think of my mom, who she, just because who she is, she helps me bring out the best in people. So when I look at people, I, I bring the best out of them. And, and I can't really take credit for that. That's just because of my mom. I think of my dad. I learned how to love people unconditionally through my dad. He was just the guy that everybody loved. Everybody knew him. He just loved everybody, and he still does. He's just like a big teddy bear. You know, everybody just loves my dad, Joe. And I, got, I, I feel like I'm a part of that, and I love people unconditionally just intuitively because of him. So our parents influence us the most. So we, ha- we have an opportunity to impact our own children because of that truth. So it's our job. To, to teach them to love Jesus. And in Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 21, it says this. Remember, my, word with you, my words with you... Oh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let me start over. Uh, remember my words with you. Remember them with your whole being. Write them down and tie them to your hands as a sign. Tie them on your foreheads to remind you. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home, walking alongside of the road when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the doors and gates so that both you and your children will live a long time in the land the Lord promised your ancestors, as long as the skies are above the earth. So this is God's plea as they're about to enter the promised land for the people of Israel to talk about God's ways with their children because parents have great influence on the lives of kids. And when I think of the weight and the responsibility of that that is on the shoulders of parents, that can be an overwhelming thing, even in the context of doing it within a community. So I work with kids and young people, so I like to use some visuals. So we're going to have a little visual action here. The truth is, when it comes to failing and making mistakes and messing up, Parents, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that hurt our kids. It's just going to happen. We don't intend to it to happen, but we do. Why? Because, well, we're filled with holes. And I don't know if people in the back can see this, but this cup is filled with holes. And this is a representation of us as parents. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that we regret. And some Sometimes we do it in big ways, and sometimes we do it in small ways. And this is water, and if I pour water in this cup, then water's coming out. And this is really a great picture of us, because parents, we leak on our kids. We leak on our kids. (laughs) They leaked on us. (laughs) But we leak on our kids. We do. We spit up all over them, and we just, they're like, ah, mom, you're in bad mood today. Okay, but... Dad is usually in the bad mood. My wife is much better than me. But here's the deal. If I fill this cup up, if I fill this cup up, it actually has water in it. It's not a see-through cup. But this represents Jesus, who's perfect. He's perfect. 
He doesn't mess up. He is perfect. And what he wants to do when we rely on him, specifically in our parenting, but in general in life, then this is, this is his light. I'm going to come up here so everybody can see it. And what he does, you can't really see it too well, but I think you can, is God shines through our failures. He th- shines through our holes. He takes mistakes that we make and things that we unintentionally do and just our mess-ups as human beings, and he does something beautiful with them. And I think of what that looks like in my life. And, you know, back in 2007, a couple of years after Hurricane Katrina, I just got to the point where I had a very young family at the time. They were all young. I forgot how old they were. They were young. And I just wasn't there. I wasn't there emotionally. Physically, I was out like multiple nights a week doing good stuff for God, doing ministry stuff. But I was really blown at when it came to my family. And my wife felt it, and it really affected her. But not only did it affect her, it was affecting me because I wasn't connected to my family. I was out there doing good ministry stuff. I was working hard. I was providing for my family. But I was really just not there. So I made a decision that was a really difficult decision to make. And that decision was to stop working where I was at, start all over somewhere else, completely out of ministry, and worked in sales for a year and a half. And from 8 to 5, I did my job. All the other nights of the week, I was home. Weekends, I was home. And it was a beginning. It was just a, a process of God reorienting my life and my heart from working and, and, and it masked in spiritual stuff, but it was really, there was a lot of other stuff there. And my heart went from career ministry to my home. And I believe this shining process that I explained, that God did that in me specifically with this because now I've made decision after decision after decision after decision to make sure that no matter what, no matter income, no matter job position or whatever, that I'm going to be home with my kids. I'm going to be there. For, I'm going to be there no matter what. And now that's actually one of my strong suits. And sometimes, like, my family wants me to leave. Like, you've been around too much. Please leave. <laughs> You're really annoying me now. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's a good example of how God can take a failure of yours and do something great with it. And, and this is my last point, then we'll kind of wrap up. When you mess up as a parent, it's beautiful to be in, the, in a community of other parents who also mess up. Because when you get together with other parents and they talk about, like, the things that they're doing and, like, the mistakes they've made, a lot of times you'll walk away and you'll be like, okay, I'm not as bad as I thought. Boy, they're really messed up. <laughs> Wrong with them. I'm feeling good now. But when you're in community and you hear of all, like, what other parents are doing, you, you feel better because you're connected to each other. And in closing... I challenge you to think about what your role is within the church, within extended family, your role as a parent. I challenge you to just, okay, like what is the one thing that stuck out to you this morning? What's the one thing 
that God is speaking to you. Because odds are, I hit on something that really resonated with you. And whatever that is, don't lose it. We're all going to go here. We're going to eat lunch. Some of you will go out to eat lunch and hang out with people. But don't lose that. Because if God's speaking to you, pause, reflect, and then, and then do something about it, whatever it is. Let's all close our eyes and I'll wrap up in prayer. Father, we come to you and we ask that you would simply speak to us, God, that you would simply guide us in this area, that you would create this place to be a church who loves kids, where kids are valued and honored. That you would help us as parents to shine through our failures. And God, that you would help us to see the value of extended family in raising kids who love Jesus. And God, I, I pray that as a group, a, p- a group of people who love you, that the North Shore Vineyard, that we would all partner together to raise kids who love Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.